0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Rest and Recovery Podcast. So today on this one, um, I was able to have an interview with Brian Rossetti. He is a former D1 cross country and track athlete at St. Joe's University in Philly, uh, where I actually spent some time at uh, school there for one year. And Brian is the founder of the Run Smart Project. He is the co-creator of the VDOT Calculator and the VDOT 2 coaching platform. And if you're not familiar with that, that was a collaboration with the legendary coach Jack Daniels, um, who uh, put together this program and, and the tool to really enable coaches and runners, regardless of your experience in running, whether you're just starting out or been doing it for a long time, to give you a common denominator to assess your current state. Uh, that's what the VDOT calculator can do. Brian gets into the how and why that's important when it comes to uh, fitness and running for individuals on their own or for coaches to be able to properly create effective program. They create that, that just enough stress so you can continue to grow and adapt and become a faster and better runner. So hope you enjoy remember, uh, the share, like and uh, give us a review. We'll be grateful for any for the reviews and sharing this. so enjoy. All right. Welcome to another episode of the Rest and Recovery Podcast. And today with me, I have Brian Rossetti, founder of the Run Smart Project. He's also head coach of the New York Flyers, which is one of the largest clubs in New York City. So, Brian, welcome. Thanks, Scott. Appreciate it. Thanks for taking the time. Um, Wanted to kind of dig into the Run Smart Project, you know, what it is, the mission behind that. And I guess, foundationally, the, the VDOT calculator, which is kind of a core or tool to the group, um, but I've, I've been aware of BDOT for probably about 10 years, and uh, it's definitely been so, one of a number of tools that's been helpful for my running development. I don't always follow it, and when I do, I regret it, but um, before we dig into that, you know, let's give a little bit about your background.
1: Yeah, so um, I ran at Zap Fitness post when I left um, St. Joseph's. Um I competed there for five years. I, I graduated, um, but I had some injuries freshman year. So I redshirted, um, came back and did a fifth year of indoor and outdoor track. And um, I was getting better every year. I think this goes back to probably seventh grade. I just every single year
0: I was improving right till fifth. Uh, just kind of waiting for that big moment,
1: maybe where um, I was going to see a big improvement curve. But that kept me motivated over the years. And, and when I graduated at St. Joe's, um, I was really just curious how how much how how much further this can go. And um, so I got into um, Zap Fitness. They accepted me into the program and was fortunate enough to get their support. I was down there for two years. That's in um, uh, Boone, North Carolina. Um, so I trained with some, some really good runners, um, was exposed to different influences, different athletes, different coaches while, while competing post-collegiately at ZAP. Um, improved my first year uh, again at ZAP and then um, had a big setback at the end of my second year with a, a sacral stress fracture. Um, and that sort of, I guess is the beginning of the end of my post-collegiate career, um, was sort of devastated. It was a long time that I had been training at that point and was focused on trying to make the Olympic trials. And, and like I said, see how fast I can go in the, and the mile was my, my focus, the 1500, the mile. Okay. And, um, so, um, I left zap and I was sort of, A little bit um, disconnected, becoming a little disconnected from the sport. And then once I got over um, my injury and um, started running again, that's when I became focused on coaching and getting into coaching. Um, In large part, I graduated college and I wasn't sure. Well, I, I guess I should say by my junior year of college, I knew that my major was something that I did not want to pursue anymore. Um and I kind of felt like I was stuck on that path and, and had no option to um to change paths at that point. So I kind of put my head down, finished out my running career, and then was kind of unsure of how to proceed um, you know, with with a career at that point. And I just naturally gravitated towards coaching. Um I think in large part because of my coach at Zap, Pete Ray, was a, such a big um and positive influence on me in terms of um, working with athletes, his passion, his passion for individualizing um, training um, was a huge influence on me. And and like I said, I also met a lot of coaches and athletes um, through that experience. And um, so I decided one night just to start this online coaching um, business and sort of drew up the business plan. Um, I was living with my girlfriend at the time, who's now my wife and um, had no place to, to live and, and nothing to do. So I quickly drew, all I was doing was training in New York City and yeah, drew up this business plan and then um, went to a couple of my ZAP teammates and said, hey, do you want to do this with me? Guys that I trusted. And that's how it started. Um, that's how the Run Smart Project started, um, just by email, you know, really simple website, collected people's info, connected them with coaches, and they started working mostly by email and over the phone. And that was it, really simple.
0: Yeah. So that kind of started the online coaching career for you. Yeah, that was 2000, 2006,
1: 2007 is when we actually got started. Um, it was a few months of sort of getting it together.
0: and um, But, yeah, it's been a long time. It's, it, it's kind of fun to hear, like, it sounds like, you know, like all of us, we have kind of those ups and downs, but able to take a passion of yours and evolve it into a career path. Because um, it sounds like I know I, I could somewhat relate, graduate college with a degree and you're like, now what? Um, but yeah. uh, so when it came to the influences, you said you had a couple of positive influences, Pete, on how did you kind of devise your coaching philosophy? What were some of those influences um, from a programming perspective?
1: Yeah, so when we started Zap, uh, um, I was heavily influenced by Pete. Pete was a big Arthur Lydiard guy and periodization, and mm-hmm. um, and I I bought into it at the time and and thought it was was interesting. Um, I don't know that I I thrived under it as an athlete. To me, it was a huge transition, um, and it took me a while. I don't remember. Having a, a, a good workout, um, you know, that first, that entire first year at, at ZAT, um, it, it took me uh, a long time to transition and get used to it. And it was a lot of higher mileage, lots of volume. Um, I felt like I was, I had more 800 speed in college, um, even though I wasn't really fast enough to compete at the top, top level. Um, I was probably better suited for three k, five k, but um, my coach at St. Joe's had me doing a lot of eight hundreds and short, um, fast work, a lot of speed work throughout the year. So, um, and then Zap was a huge transition, like I said. Um, but what stuck with me more was just the individualization. Um, really, um, to to our detriment, sometimes I felt like where we moved to work out with a, with an elite group and we'd show up sometimes and it'd be five guys doing five different workouts. Um, and we were hungry to, to work together in this remote environment. Um, and sometimes that's how individualized it was. And he took it seriously, um, in terms of really catering to the individuals. I had a teammate who ran at Brown, who I think came out of there with, Maybe a 340, 1500 PR. And he was only running 20, 30 miles a week um, because um, he just couldn't stay healthy. So Pete had him doing a ton of cross training and was really creative and how to keep this guy healthy um, and keep him down there. I mean, they committed a lot of resources um, to really helping this individual. So that's what stuck with me. And when we started Run Smart, it wasn't necessarily you coach this way, it was just, really look at the individual, not just um, how fast they run, but are they working full-time? Are they a mother of um, six kids and um, work? And um, what are the other stresses, you know, that, that might factor into how you would train them individually? And this is before Jack got involved. So initially it was just sort of, it was a little more of an art, Than a science, and and
0: really just trying to cater to the individual and being responsive to them. Yeah, and and I think it's an interesting distinction. I mean, at least it sounds like. How did you grow up with the training? Because I was, it was kind of a one size fits all. Everybody had the same pace. Maybe a couple of people based on groupings, at least for the high school cross country, and you hung on for dear life. Um. Yeah, exactly. So, well, high school was
1: different. I was, I was generally the the. The better runner of the team, so um, uh, unfortunately, the coaches really didn 't know what they were doing. Um, they were open about it. I was lucky to have a an athlete or excuse me an older brother who ran division one, um, so that had its pluses and minuses um, pluses was that I knew I had some idea of, of how to train um, The minus is that I really knew how much the coaches didn't know (laughs) how to train us. So that was discouraging and also um, kind of created a negative mindset about, you know, why are we doing this or we should be doing this and always questioning what we were doing. Yeah. Um, So, but high school was really limited. I mean, you're talking 20 miles a week, 25 miles a week. Um, No real understanding of how to train different systems. And um, it was just more off of talent and try and get as much running in as I could. And then in college, it was sort of not get thrown to the wolves, but it was really, I was on scholarship trying to prove myself, um, trying to keep up with upperclassmen, that I belonged, that I should be beating them and um, was not recovering and had a stress fracture early, major Achilles injury early, um, just really suffered from repetitive stress injuries. Um, We weren't doing, this is really before um, a lot of the great strength and nutrition information came out too. I mean, we really weren't, I was in the weight room bench pressing and, you know, doing some pull-ups and push-ups, but this idea of, like, core strength and um and functional strength was not, it just; that it wasn't even on the horizon at that point, you know? So, yeah.
0: Um, yeah. What I can remember from high school is, I think it was my senior year, we might have started doing circuit training. Uh, and That was like the extent of strength and yeah. mindset was, you know, oh, you're going to weigh yourself down with any kind of, it's like not going to build up muscle mass, but yeah, the mindset is completely shifted in just a short time on... The value of strength and conditioning.
1: Yeah, no, totally. I I wish, um, obviously everyone in hindsight wishes they had that info at the time, but even at ZAP, I mean, we were starting to do, um, we had a more official strength training program that was a little bit more functional, um, at ZAP. And that was super helpful to me and keeping me healthy, um, for longer periods of time, I think. But, um, we um you know so that was that was a big part of the routine but yeah um definitely the idea now just i think just some flow track videos when they started coming out um when you'd see the elites and some of the stuff they were doing was eye opening like wow
0: yeah
1: um, you know whether it's just balancing or um skipping things like that you know um hopping stuff like that the pretty simple stuff that was just more functional than um, than what we used to do yeah
0: yeah and it just kind of that functional movement and just simple tasks repeated repeated over and over again on a daily basis and not even high intensity like you said the skipping or the uh, the ball foot hop and little things like that to get that muscle memory yeah no totally what Uh, was that evolution so you mentioned jack ryan and and so how was that evolution and engaging with, with him? Yeah. So Jack, um,
1: so I knew of Jack, I had the book, I had not really um, read into it um, until after I left ZAP. And um, so fortunately my teammate at ZAP moved to Flagstaff, Arizona, um, not too long after I left and um, started connecting with the running community there. Um, and this was really early on in the scene in Flagstaff before it sort of blew up and became more of a mecca for elite um, runners. Um, and so Vince Sherry, who's my co-founder at RunSmart, um, was uh, close with Jack Daniels. And um, we also brought on Mike Smith, who's now the, the coach, former coach at Georgetown, who's now the coach at NAU. Mm -hmm. Um, Mike was one of the initial run smart project coaches. Um, Vince brought him on. Mike was working with Jack at the high altitude center, um, through NAU university. And they closed the, um, high altitude center. I want to say 2009, 2010. I don't, I don't know the, the exact date. I forget. Um, and then we basically just convinced Jack to, to give this online coaching thing a shot. Um, He wasn't so intrigued initially. Um, Jack likes to work with the team. I mean, that was his history of working with cross country teams and being in practice. And a lot of people had tried to get him into the online coaching and do some, do some interesting stuff with technology and VDOT. And he, he resisted um, for a long time. And um, for whatever reason, we convinced him and he trusted us and, so it was really myself, Mike, and Vince that um, got him on board, got him comfortable. And then we started integrating VDOT um, into our methodology, um, uh, our philosophy, our approach. And then we built the calculator. That was the first um, our first stab at sort of building out some technology um, to give runners more tools um, on how to train at the right paces and so we launched the VDOT, um running calculator on the run smart project site and um that's that's just been huge i mean people we've got thousands thousands of users all across the world um that are constantly using it it's now available on ios and android um as well and um so that was our our basically our history with jack and and how it initially got started yeah
0: yeah great yeah and like I mentioned earlier I'm a user of the v. for for a little while now and um it's kind of nice tool to have another metric to see improve gradually over time um but can you unpack a little bit the calculator so what is it what's the intent behind it how does that fold into the the coaching and the personalization
1: yeah so I always love this this plot or this graph in Jack's book and he uses this at a lot of his clinics where you see um, different individual runners, where he plots a VO2 max over um, a a graph of of running speed or velocity. And um, basically it's showing you that uh, these three individuals who have run very similar 3k times have very different VO2 max um, scores. And um, so basically that's accounting for in large part the, their running economies. And um, so what Jack tried to do with his study uh, and research was come up with um, an easier way to um, basically score someone's running ability and allow them to do it through um, speed over a certain distance or um, in many cases a race result. Um, So as much as you can get it from a 5k result, um, you can really, anything that's longer than 10, 11, or 12 minutes, roughly, um, if you know the distance, um, that you covered over that amount of time, we can, we can score your VDOT or give you a VDOT score. Um, but obviously through the calculator, most people are using race results, um, whether it's a mile up to a marathon, um, but it can be done over any distance. It's it's speed over a certain distance is the measurement, and then that gives you a, a V dot score, which is a measure of your current running ability. So what you're you're trying to do is always punch in a, a result or a speed over a certain distance or a race result. As I said, that represents your current fitness, and um, that score allows you to. See appropriate training intensities um, based on what you're trying to achieve. And when I say that, um, is it to strengthen your heart muscle? Is it to improve your endurance? Um, Is it to um, improve your aerobic power? Um, Is it to improve your economy? Um, So we have different training intensities to achieve each of those different objectives. Or benefits, um, and um, so once you know your V dot score, it gives you some guidelines on how fast you should be training. and, and common feedback is, um, you know, the the easy pace feels slow, and and because I think most people probably run too fast on their easy days. And right. the beauty of V dot and what Jack did was he's pinpointing the fastest you need to run um in order to achieve that objective. So if, if all you're trying to do is recover or strengthen your heart or increase the mitochondria um, in, in, the, in the muscles, then you only need to run this fast. It's just a percentage of your heart rate max. And anything faster is unnecessary, or you're maybe, you know, changing um what the physiological outcome might be from that workout. So and that goes back to his point of always um, making sure that athletes understand what the purpose of their run or their workout is. And if that's just to go clear your head, that's great. That's separate. Or if it's to go out and hurt, then that's something else. But if it's to recover, then you should run at this pace. If it's to improve your threshold or your endurance, it should be this pace. And so that's what we're trying to do is is really get bad information into the hands of runners as easily – as easily as possible
0: yeah um so it kind of just gives you a personalized script at least something to start write a directionally correct script to start from especially if you're a beginner on you know some target pacing so you don't overdo it
1: yeah exactly so you don't need to do go into a lab and do a vo2 max test i mean you can um you can go do a time trial on your track or I can step out on the road here and go run as hard as I can for 10 minutes. And if I, like I said, if I know the distance, I can give myself a V dot score and then I know all my training paces. So then I can start organizing my training. The other thing it does is it equates performances. Um, it doesn't predict. Some people like to use it as a prediction where they might run a 5k and say, well, this is predicting I can run this for a marathon. Um, but it's really just equating performances physiologically so Mm -hmm. this 5k result is equal to this 10k result um so in some instances it's a good benchmark for people um so they if they've never run a marathon before but they've run a 10k they can at least have some sort of benchmark or idea where wow if i can train well for a marathon now then in order to equal my 10 K performance for a much longer race, which is hard, right? Cause the longer you're racing, then you've got, the terrain is more a factor. The mental, you know, approach is more a factor. Um, nutrition, uh, nutrition, temperature, wind, all those things are going to play a greater, um, uh, factor into your results. So, uh, so, so, so in many cases, if you score, let's say a 50 V dot, for your 5k result many will score a lower number for their marathon and that's just because of all those different factors pacing is another factor you know in a marathon in 5k you might be able to get away with you know poor pacing a little bit more in a marathon yeah. that your pace can exponentially drop after crossing that line a little bit early in the race so yeah
0: yeah you can't recover that yeah yeah there's no coming back
1: no. Uh, so, so yeah, that's, I don't know if that helps,
0: but. Yeah, it does. It does. Um, so like you are saying, the, the tool is exactly that, a tool to help you understand kind of your own personal training and where you're trying to go. But it sounds like the goals are also important to understand what yeah. your fitness goal is.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think the, I mean, the a mi- big misuse of it is that they, they want to run, they want to break twenty minutes in a five k, so they put in twenty minutes and they get their V dot score and their training paces, and then they start training at that level. And um, they might be in twenty three minute shape, and they might have never broken twenty three minutes. So that's a just a quick recipe to get hurt. Um, yeah. People think that I want to run this, so I need to start running at that level right now, and it doesn't work that way, you know. If, um, I'm not an exercise scientist, but it's just, you know, according to Jack, it's you, you train at your current fitness level, your body um, adapts, and um, then you could take on more stress. That's really when you see the improvement and you, you know, proceed in a very measured way um, where you start to add in a little more stress where it might be, okay, now you're at a new dot, so your paces are getting faster, Um, you're more economical, you can handle faster paces, etc. So so start to update your VDOT, or maybe you increase your mileage, because you're able to to run higher volume, and you start to improve from that increased volume. Um, So it can be done in different different ways. But common misconception is that um, I want to be at this level, so I need to to train there and some people do it for fun and we can't stop them because they, sure. they want to know what it's like, but yeah. uh, we, we don't encourage that.
0: But it's an, so it's really an assessment of your current state. Current fitness, um, yeah. current fitness gives you an idea of what you may be capable of. Like you said, it gives you, it spits out if you did a 5k number, your marathon yeah. potential, but there's a lot of assumed performance like the training and proper training in there.
1: Yeah. You might, you might be able to r- score a 50 dot um for For a five k result and you 're running twenty miles a week, but you go out and run a marathon on twenty miles a week, you might score ten points lower with your marathon result you yeah. know and it 's just by matter of fact that you didn 't train well enough for a full marathon um like i said so that 's the challenge um Some people score higher v dots for longer races it 's just it 's just by nature where they excel, um <clears throat> whether it's mentally or physiologically. Um but it's for the most part it gets hard it's a challenge to keep that score as the distance goes up. Um and so yeah.
0: Yeah and like you said the different variables and what's the old football saying any given Sunday. Yeah. So it's like each each race is, you know, it may be a bad day or <laughs> all those other variables yeah. can uh significantly influence. Yeah, and you can
1: graph. You can also chart. It's nice. You can chart your scores for different results, and it sort of gives you a quick, a quick snapshot of where your strengths are, and that might inform future training. So, if you're struggling um, to maintain your V dot for 10k, if your 10k V dot is much lower than your 5k V dot, then maybe it's you're not doing enough threshold work. Um, you know so you can really look at training why am I falling off here the pacing solid I ran it on a good course um, I thought you know I ran pretty well so then maybe it's it's an indicator that the training you're not adjusting well for a 10k race in your training so you can also inform form that well too
0: so that kind of circles back to the coaching element right um, yeah the services y'all support so what you kind of touched on it, but what what's the motivating factor for you when it comes to coaching? Um, What is that you love about it?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I'm a competitive person. And um, so as my own running ambitions have kind of gone away, I think it's now transferred into um, the athletes I coach and, um, and so their success, um, you know, is what, keeps me excited and keeps me motivated. Um but that also is transferred now into the business. We're um we're you know w- when we built the calculator we then built V.02 which is the coaching platform. And initially it was the Run Smart Project um customer training calendar essentially where our coaches would upload training for our athletes. Um, and then we moved away from that. We, we turned it into an open platform. And so um, thousands of coaches across the world use Vida to help them plan um, training for their athletes. So we sort of broke down that wall and opened up the app to anyone. Um, it's free for athletes. It's, um, coaches can subscribe to it. So we've got hundreds of coaches across the world that are working with athletes on VDOT. So essentially it's a calendar application, sort of like a training peaks, but the VDOT paces are built in. So if a coach is working with athletes on it, um, they can schedule, you know, mile repeats or a five mile run. And those paces are already built in. Um, They don't have to calculate paces. It automatically populates on the calendar saves and then coach can can communicate with the athlete all on the platform it's it pulls in gps data so coach can see what was prescribed what the athlete actually did right next to each other and then they can comment and the coach can make adjustments they can update their vdot and future paces really easily um so we've really been focused <clears throat> now more on trying to be the best coaching platform out there and, and giving coaches the tools they need to just better manage their athletes. So I just spoke with a high school coach this morning. He's got 75 athletes and he wants to continue to individualize their training. Um, but there's 75 of them. And yeah, that's, that's a
0: lot of people to manage through <laughs>
1: that's, that's hard to do. And, and so he didn't even know the V dot. Uh, platform existed he's been using jack's book for years and now he's excited because he can build out their season and then literally publish to all 75 athletes and goes into their calendars and each athlete has their own pace so then he can sort them by group so when they have practices he could say you know group one group two group three step up and everyone's shown up to practice with with their cases they know what their targets so you know compared to my college days it was you jumped in the group and you tried to hang on and yeah. uh, my senior you know the seniors might have been right at their threshold getting all the benefit and I'm I'm beyond my threshold trying to hang on trying to do vo2 max you know mile repeats and uh, eventually I'm just anaerobic and I might be getting you know I might be getting mentally tougher hanging on, but i 'm not getting any physiological benefit out of that
0: yeah if anything potentially negative because of yeah. uh, just the the overtraining or uh, as i've heard the term overtraining or underrecovered depending yeah. on the circumstance yeah exactly um, so that's the, my focus and and really trying to
1: my motivation my competitive you know side is really um, trying to come out through through the the technology now on the platform and really trying to transfer that's been Jack's mission his whole life is just transferring the research he got into this whole thing because he his worst event was running when he was in the Olympics Um, he was a modern pentathlete and two-time medalist in the Olympics and he always says, I got it, you know, I became a running coach because running was my worst event. Um, That's amazing.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so he's, he pretty much transformed the running industry uh, or one of the key godfathers of it anyway. Yeah. I mean, he just,
1: he's been focused on transferring it. The reason he wrote the book, he said, it's because he couldn't coach and teach because he was getting calls all day from coaches asking him to write up training plans and so he'd be faxing and faxing, faxing plans and um, ideas and writing up programs. And then eventually, he's like, "I should just publish the book, so I don't have to keep doing this." And uh, <laughs> so that's that's what that's what he did. And then and then we, like I said, from the book, have been the, trying to do the technology to scale it. Um, and it's cool because the book is now translated in like nine or ten languages, so we're seeing adoption across the world now and this all dates back to him realizing that his his coach had no idea how to train them for running performance um back back in the you know back in the 60s um so it's been it's been an incredible story
0: yeah so as a coach um you coach a continuum right any anywhere from beginners up to elites within the the new york flyers
1: Yeah. So the flyers um, I'm the head coach of the the club in New York um, and it's, it's mainly marathon runners. um, And it's from, it's a wide range of recreational runners um, from beginners to um, guys who are, you know, just under three hours in the marathon. Um, We've got a very, competitive masters women's team um, specifically in the fifties and sixties age range. And, you know, I would say very competitive, even, you know, nationally, Um, we've got some really standout masters women runners, but um, initially it was an interesting match because they were interested um, in working with us, but it was, it's a very social club. I mean, they, these individuals love to run and they do lots of marathons. Um, but in many cases, the focus isn't so much on how fast can I run? And, and, um, our business is very geared towards like improvement, you know, setting PRs and let's do this as efficiently as possible. And, um, so it was an interesting match at first because we brought in technology. We brought in this very, like, science-y approach. And at first it was like, dot. you know, what are you guys talking about? And um, so there was some selling and some, there was some transition. Um, but now I have to say, like, we you have six-hour marathon. Marathoners are showing up to practice and just they – it's like homework to them. They love that they have a purpose. They have a pace that works for them, too. It's not just, hey, go out and, you know, we're doing 800s today, you know, and here's the effort, you know, good luck. That's not fair to them, you know, sometimes if if you're not careful about how long someone's maintaining um, their VO2 max pace. Um, For some individuals, an 800 might take um, less than three minutes at their max pace. And for some, it could take, you know, over five minutes. And so how many do they do versus the faster runners. So we were very careful about that approach and, and really explaining this to them. And, and now the club, I mean, our programs sell out, our New York programs sell out really quickly. We don't even market them. They sell out as soon as they go up. Um, So we manage all the training through the dot app, um, like other coaches do with their clubs and teams. And, um, and it's been great. We just were able to, um, provide great feedback like i said with gps we pull in garmin and then one of the cool things we did in the last year was we if i write a workout on someone's calendar the workout and paces get pushed to their garmin watch and so they can start it on the watch and it's like a real-time you know pacing guidance Pace count.
0: yeah pace guide yeah that's yeah. awesome
1: that's yeah great So you even get alerts. Some people don't like it. You can turn it off, but you get alerts, you know, if you're outside your pace range, some individuals will say, listen, I was not motivated to do that workout. And then the watch started beeping at me. And it's the only thing that got me through (laughs) the workout. Some people are like, I was going to throw my watch in the river, you know, but it didn't stop beeping. Um, you know, but you could turn it off in settings. And I think for the most part, people like that. You can, and coaches do too. I mean, that workouts right in their watch. It makes it convenient. And then it automatically syncs back um, to their calendar. And then a coach could say, Hey, this is too fast. Look at your heart rate here. Or you, you know, what was going on here? Why the paces were too slow, too fast, whatever it was, you know, you got to back off and and allows that that feedback to happen remotely. um, Which is, which is nice.
0: Yeah. And it turns into micro adjustments rather than just trying to recreate the wheel every time you have to come up And it. I mean, it, I know for me, whenever I've used coaching or some of the platforms tools, it's, it eliminates the thinking and it's probably one less barrier for me to not go run. You yeah. Know? Yeah. <laughs> no, I agree.
1: Um, yeah. I mean, we're trying to keep it simple. I think some of, sometimes the platforms, there's just there's a lot of tracking of data and I think there's a lot with wearables and we're, they're tracking so much data. And a lot of times these athletes are just like, you know, what, what am I supposed to do with this? You know, what does it mean? It's just too much. And we're trying to keep it simple. Just like, here's, here's your pace, you know, try and stick to it. Um, here are some guidelines, some feedback, we can make quick adjustments, but try and keep it as simple as possible. Um, just always train people based on their current fitness. And if they're not improving, then that, um, helps coaches, you know, troubleshoot. What is it then they're, they're at the right pace. Are they not sleeping? Um, you know, are they not eating properly? Um, are we not doing this enough of this type of work? Um, so that that's the key for us is just kind of, backing in like that
0: and trying to keep it as simple as possible. <laughs> that's great. Yeah. And like you said, it kind of, it's, um, it's a personalized one size fits all. <laughs> yeah. If that makes sense. Um.
1: <laughs> I mean, I, 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 that's a great point, Scott. I like that. I think that um, it makes me think about though, that some, some people will say, well, I don't, I don't follow. I'm not a Daniels guy. I hear that sometimes, and um, I think that, that that can be fair, but I think that sometimes people conflate Jack with other, um, you know, top coaches, the ones that have had a lot of success. Um, and I don't think for for us, Jack, it really has this methodology. It's more like basic principles. You know, if, if you're running this many miles, then generally the long run should represent this percentage. And if you're doing threshold work, you should only do this percentage of work at threshold pace. That's representative of how much the total week of running you're doing. Um, so he's kind of setting guidelines. He's not saying do these specific workouts. These are the only workouts. Um, it's more of a flexible um, there's it's a methodology that you can the coaches can really navigate within and with their own styles and workouts um but it's really more it's more based in physiology you know this is threshold i think that's generally universally accepted and this is he's more focused on how you're getting the benefit and how to get the most benefit out of every workout and and that's it you know it's not he's not trying to say you've got these are the workouts that you do and and um so i i think i think that's important to state that it's that it's not that the, it is flexible in that sense it's not um it this is how you coach um necessarily um like you said so yeah
0: and yet at the end of the day I, you know i want runners anybody can run right i've had i've coached youth and they're like oh no i'm not i'm not a runner well if you put your foot in front of the other you are a runner and i think this tool kind of helps anyone kind of be encouraged where they are because it's your own personal goal but then you can find a great community within the running community i think that's one thing that i've always enjoyed with cross country and it's just like such a big welcoming community
1: yeah that's great.
0: Um
1: we had um unfortunately in New York we we lost um one of our uh club members to to COVID-19. Oh no. Um, yeah, and uh but it just as tragic as it was, it, to me again, it was just another reminder of how fortunate um we are to be in in the running community and and like just the the outpouring of of support amongst the club and and why we are part of the club and just how strong the running community is and what a family it is and uh, it's special. It's different, like you said. It's it's a it's a good point that you made.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, sorry for your loss. Um, yeah. And uh, you know, to your point, it's um, if anything, now is the the opportunity to band together wherever we are. Yeah. <laughs> um, well we're, we're kind of coming up on time I am grateful for the time Brian uh, I did want to close out with a few questions for you personal but one is what are you reading right now <laughs> um, audible counts Audible's is okay
1: <laughs> um, I actually where is it? is it is it right here so it's how to change your mind I don't know if you've heard this, Michael no. Paul. How to yeah. change your mind? Yeah, it's a little, it's a little nuts. Um, so it's basically science of um, you know what what they're learning, learning with um, like psychedelics and consciousness and okay how they're how they're treating, seeing some results um, in clinical trials with people suffering from addiction and depression and, um, but it's so funny because when I initially saw the title, I was like, how to change your mind. Like, that's okay. That's a good skill to have, you know, like yeah,
0: personal I, development or something, right?
1: Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I've got a staff. I, I want to be able to like keep them, you know, on, on track to, to where I think we should be moving here with the business. And, uh, but then, then I thought it was cool. I, I saw a podcast with, um, what was it Paul Stamets? Who's like a guy, um, mycelium guy, he's a mycologist. And um, I don't know how I got into it, but it just was fascinating. Talk, him talking about fungi and, and, and nature and how it plays a role in our environment, which, and all this stuff just blew my mind. And then I, I came across this book in a bookstore um, not too long before things started shutting down. And yeah, so I was just like, I want to check this out. So, yeah, that's
0: that's what I'm into right now. I'm going to have to look into that one. Um, <laughs> I've heard of CBD now, you know, being used, but the psychedelics, that's definitely one that's pushing the envelope. It's wild. Uh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what are you listening to right now, music or podcast?
1: Whew, um, music. So I'm a Pearl Jam guy, so I'm into nice. on the, the new album that just came out, and, and I love it. Um, I just been good timing for me um and um so yeah that's that's been we just launched a podcast actually with VDOT um so I've been um I listened or I listened to the Rambling Runner which is a big uh, running podcast um I think it's impressive what he's been able to do um and telling different stories of the running community not just like elites and standouts but really profiling um, recreational runners and some of the amazing things they've done and how they've sort of stayed in the sport. Um, <clears throat> so I've been, I've been trying to dabble, nothing in particular, but we've been, we're, we're certainly not, um, you know, we, we haven't really picked up on the, the art of it yet, or I would say we've, we've, we're, we're not the best at it yet, but we're trying our best to kind of profile um, members of the VDOT community and and people like Jack who have been a big part of the sport their entire life and, and how they got into the sport, what it's meant to them and some of the cool things that they're doing. So um, we, that's VDOTO 2 a
0: conversation pace. Um, okay. <laughs> so that's just, awesome. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'll definitely include that in the show notes for sure. I'll, I'll, I'll put that out there and, and take a oh, listen. I appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, last question what is your go-to rest and recovery method?
1: Well, I will say, um, I don't know. I mean, a specific method for me, um, to me, it's just sleep. And I know that maybe maybe that's cliche. I don't know. But it's not obviously a method. Um, But I just keep coming back to that more and more personally. um, Not just in my athletics, but just sort of, you know, in terms of my career and being productive and being a good parent. Yes. Keep Coming back to um, how important it is to take care of myself first. Otherwise I can't be a good coach or a good parent. Um, And certainly my running, which comes last these days, unfortunately, um, you know, it's taking a back seat, but like, I just can't, and I know some people can manage better than others when their sleep is inconsistent or inadequate, but I just keep coming back to this, that it's just the most important thing um, than anything. And, and also, um, you know, besides nutrition, we can do a whole podcast on um, or interview on nutrition um, and I'm not a nutritionist, but I just, me personally, meal timing is is something that's really overlooked. Everyone's focused on how they're eating, what they're eating, and they keep overlooking meal timing and, and how yeah. that's so, so important. And just um, with with the pandemic um, and just work and, and getting, you know, leaving New York City, um, I've struggled the last few weeks and just having a routine and getting – into a, a solid routine and and going long periods of time with without eating and then having those big meals you know with that with yeah it's just it's a bad bad mix right now so really trying to focus on that now for me has, has been important
0: yeah yeah absolutely I, I agree with you on both especially I mean sleep really I mean that was kind of a catalyst on starting the podcast frankly on my own uh, mm. challenges over time that I just kept bonking in life. <laughs> you know, it seemed like uh, both in my pr- fitness pursuits and then, and then just life pursuits um, and family and all that, that, yeah, I mean, as simplistic and straightforward as it is, it's it's the foundation really.
1: Yeah. My mind doesn't stop. It's hard for me to let go. It's hard for me to shut it down. You know, it's um, I've wanted to get in that book or I want to listen to that podcast and now it's quiet and now I have the time to do it and, and I'm just not sticking to that routine. And I think that's important. Um, so as a coach, I definitely, you know, try and instill that in my athletes. And, um, but I, I need a coach. <laughs> yeah. I need someone keeping me accountable because I, um, I'm preaching it, but I'm not, I'm not following it, especially at this time. It's been a struggle um, for me. You know, totally.
0: Yeah, find consistency. Uh, I would encourage you, so uh, shameless plug, but episode four, we had a sleep coach uh, on, uh, Nick Lamb. And so he went through, and it was a really good uh, practical and understanding of the science behind it, the physiology, plus some simple tactics to to apply on how to incrementally improve, whether you're running your sleep habits.
1: Um, Oh, that's great. Yeah. Episode four? Yes, sir. And what's his name again,
0: Scott? Nick. Nick Lamb with E on the end. Nick Lamb with an E. Okay, cool. Yeah, so the online sleep coach. Okay, cool. So, Brian, yeah, grateful for the time and uh, appreciate it. Have a great day. Thanks, Scott. Thank you for listening to this episode. Lots of great practical tips covered here today and if you know someone who could get some value out of this episode please share be super grateful Uh, we're all about being well and improving our our life and so if someone can get value out of this please remember to uh, subscribe review and share again grateful for you remember be rested be well